We've got to juggle something more dangerous. Well, you got to invite Tim Erickson down, and he can juggle juggle some fire. Maybe we're going to juggle alligators. That might top it. That seems very much <laughs> more like Florida. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe the most Florida thing. If you juggled alligators in conjunction with fireworks, maybe? Yeah. Maybe that, that would be the most Florida thing? <laughs> Gotta make the move to a theme system that's right for me. Components keep me moving, keep me grooving with some energy. At mid camp, we talked about it, talked about it, talked about it, talked about it. At DrupalCon, talked about it, talked about it, talked about design components. That's my favorite part, by the way. <laughs> talked about it. Talked about it. Talked about Me it. too. I was hoping you'd include that. Yeah. Oh no. We're, I'm, we're not done. Thanks we're gonna. That. We're gonna hear the rest. So just sit tight. <laughs> we got more. <laughs> Gotta move on from data model templates. Gotta move on from style guide markup duplication. Gotta move on. I want you take me to chunky town. I want you take me to a chunky town. I want you take me to a chunky town. I want you take me to a chunky town. Chunks, mega chunks. Chunks, super chunks. Chunks, inside chunks. Won't you take me to a chunky town? All right, so there we go. That's What I like about that, Mark, is you committed to that song. You do not do one Go ahead. It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, you did not do one one or two like verse or bars and and bail. You you committed to the whole thing. So I really enjoyed that. That was the lyrics for that were actually my session submission. So I felt like I had to put it in the <laughs> session. <laughs> well, hey, uh, welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast number one eighty four. That intro music was our. Uh, our guest today, Mark Drummond, I believe that was from Twin Cities Drupal Camp just a couple weeks ago, right, Mark? Indeed it was. Indeed. We have all the fun at Twin Cities Drupal Camp. Yeah, apparently people who juggle fire is the new bar at which Drupal Camps are going to be measured by. Yeah, Tim Tim Erickson, he is the fire juggling man. He only drops it sometimes. Well, as long as he's not like juggling on a, on a bale of hay, it's probably okay. I'm sure he's using like, you know, concrete. Not yet, but that's an idea for next year. There's always uh, there's always bales of hay and lighter fluid to really you know amp things up. Yes. So, Mark, you are a front end developer at Lullabot. True or false? True. Very good. You are a Drupal core contributor. True or false? Yes. And you are also a self processed. Professed. I think yes. you mean profit. Yeah, self-professed. <laughs> Man, I'm not even going to try and say it again because I'm going to screw it up four more times. Self-professed. Thank you, Kelly. Um, Star Wars expert. And I, I, there's a lot of people that probably know more things about Star oh, Wars than me, but I really no, like Star Wars. I think yeah, it's cool. No, no, you 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 can't you can't take that back because looking at your Drupal.org profile under areas of expertise, <laughs> it does yeah. say Star Wars. It it, it does. Yeah. So. I, 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 the force is strong with that one. Yes. That's right. Well, we're going to test it a little bit later. Oh, great. Yes. Well, that's, that should be wonderful. Yes. So it's a <sighs> short, a short quiz, but it'll be, uh, I think, you know, there's really only one gimme question to kind of get you warmed up. The rest are really going to tax you and 
I'd like you to commit right now that if you if you get more than one wrong, you remove Star Wars from your areas of expertise. Uh, um, I'm not going to that. I I will I will do my Jar Jar voice, I guess. If I, right, if I how about this? Like if you get five for five. Then you have to update your areas of expertise to say Star Wars, comma, as verified by the Drupal Easy podcast. <laughs> sure, I'll do that. Right. You have to do one of those two things. You have all to right. pick one. Okay, all right, do that one. Very good. Five for five, yeah. and, and I don't want you tanking this. So I was going to say, now he's oh. going to throw it. Yeah. I don't oh, need to link. No, that would be fun to have on there. So. Yeah, I don't want to be greedy. You don't need to link. It can be in plain text. I'm not, you know, on a, I, I don't, I'm not doing it for any SEO. I'm just, you know. Sure. It's got to be yeah, verified somehow, and I think we're just the people to do it. I think you're right. Yeah. All right. Very good. Yeah. All right. So real quick, before we jump in, let me mention um, our sponsor. One of our sponsors is MyDropWizard.com. Mark, are you still maintaining any Drupal 6 sites? Um, maybe. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed. We, you know, we all are. Anyway. If you are, and if any of our listeners are, you probably want to check out MyDropWizard.com because what they will do for you is they will take over the hassle of keeping that site secure until such a time as you are ready to upgrade that site to Drupal 6, Drupal, I'm sorry, to Drupal 7 or Drupal 8, or perhaps, you know, turn it into a static site or something that's a little bit more secure. Um, they also do support maintenance for Drupal 7 and 8. Um, and they also do white label maintenance. So if you have a Drupal shop or an agency that is actively supporting older Drupal sites and you don't want to be in that business, you can kind of turn all that stuff over to mydropwizard.com. So by all means, if you're interested in this, you can check it out at mydropwizard.com slash drupal-6-lts. All right. Very good. So, Kelly, I believe you um, are going to uh, be the one interrogating – oh, I'm sorry, interviewing Mark for the next few minutes here. <laughs> what did I sign up for? Boy. Yes. So, uh, for – sorry. Go ahead. No. No, I'm, I'm okay. ready. I'm All right. Excited. For those of you following along at home, you can find Mark online at markdrummond.com. Um, and we couldn't have Mark here without talking about components. So let's get right into that first. Um, so give us a little background for people who are not, have not been following this discussion. Um, give us a brief introduction to what are components and why should we care? Sure. So components are something that gets used quite a bit in the front end development world. Um, and in the design world and in lots of areas. So a component is like one chunk of a design. So that song in the beginning about chunk E-Town, that's chunk dash Y town, just to be entirely clear. <laughs> um, that's, that's talking about how uh, a component is one chunk of a page. So you can think of the header of your site as one chunk, the footer as a chunk. And then inside of the header, there's going to be other chunks. There's going to be like a search box. There's like a logo. There's going to be a main menu, uh, maybe some social icons. Those are each their own chunk. Those are each their own component. And so 
especially when we're working with responsive web design, components are really important because it's useful to kind of look at each component as a standalone thing that can maybe be used, maybe be used in multiple places within your site. Um, but more importantly, um, trying to encapsulate each component as one set of style rules, one set of JavaScript behaviors, uh, that sort of thing. So in front-end development, we might use um, the BEM syntax, uh, which is block element modifier is what it stands for. And it, it basically means coming up with a kind of funky-looking class name uh, to apply to each element within a component and then trying to apply styles more with just one set of styles per class rather than trying to do a lot of complicated CSS rules that are going to interact with each other. Um, so with front-end development, we really like to you know define one component, one set of styles, one set of markup for each of those components. And Drupal's markup doesn't really work like that. Um, Drupal's markup tends to be based around data structures. Uh, it's created from render arrays, and so you have different templates attached to different pieces of data that get placed on a Drupal site. And certain parts of that markup kind of work like components. Blocks are kind of like components in some ways. Entity view modes are kind of like components. Uh, but there's a lot of parts that aren't, and it can be kind of kludgy to theme a Drupal site in a component-based way, and we'd like to make it better. So that's kind of the overview, I'd say. Awesome. Um, and so how is that going to, like, why are front-enders so excited about this initiative? Um, how, are ha how is having components going to improve everybody's life? Sure. So right now, if you want to get some component-based markup into Drupal, you're probably going to have to do so across multiple templates. So a lot of times, uh, let's say that you have a node, and that node has multiple fields, right? Um, you can try to you, – you might – make, hey, here's the CSS that I want and the markup that I want for this this node. But then you're going to have to actually put that markup not only in the node template, but in some field templates and possibly some other templates for the things that appear inside of fields as well. You have to stretch it across multiple templates a lot of times. Or you can try to pull all of the field data into your node template itself so that you can have all of your markup in one location but then the problem is that you are disconnecting your site's markup from the site's user interface for site builders. And the changes that a site builder makes in the user interface aren't necessarily going to have an effect on the markup anymore. So you have kind of two competing forces, I'd say, is that... Um, Needed, and we could just make templates however we wanted them, and they would have the markup that we would want, and we can just make the site look exactly the way we want it. However, that kind of conflicts with, I think, what 
Drupal's one of Drupal's superpowers is. And I think Drupal is great in part because it empowers people who do not write code to make websites. Uh, site builders are a big part of why Drupal is interesting and a success because we put in the hands of lots of people the ability to like make websites and do things and they don't necessarily have to code it all up from scratch from itself. Uh, Dries talks about this as the assembled web. And so I'm particularly interested in finding some solutions that allows Drupal to be more component-based in its theme system in a way that makes that available and editable by site builders. So integrating those two things so that giving front-end developers complete and total control is sounds nice in theory, but if it does so at the expense of people being able to interact with the site in the user interface, I think that's a problem. So that's going to take some challenges to get us to where we need to go. Um, so, But ultimately, if we could do that, I think it'd be really exciting because I think that a component-based system would make a lot of sense to site builders as well. Uh, if we had a more... Um, you know, it's been talked about as more of an outside-in approach. If you could start at the top of your page level and you could say, hey, I want a header component, I want a footer component, and then you can start placing things and configuring them um, within kind of diving deeper and deeper as you go. If each of those things was more component-based and less completely tied to Drupal data structures, I think it would be a lot easier for site builders as well. And then the third part of why I think that components would be exciting is because we've, we're also talking about how can we reuse Drupal's markup outside of Drupal itself. And that's where a lot of the really challenging problems come. But uh, a lot of people, a lot of front-end developers work with tools like Pattern Lab or they work with KSS or tools to make a pattern library or style guide. So they can visualize, here's how all of our components look. And you can show them, and a designer can see them, and you can see how all those different parts looked, both separate and together. And um, and it's kind of hard to make Drupal's markup work with that because our markup isn't component-based. And so part of this effort is, how can we make Drupal easier to integrate with those tools so that you... Right now, you have to make that work. You really you have to make one copy of your markup in the style guide tool or the pattern library tool, and another copy within Drupal. And it would be great if we didn't have to have two copies of our markup because every time you duplicate things, it's more likely to have a problem. And then, in corollary with that, with getting Drupal's markup working with style guides and pattern libraries. It's uh, getting Drupal's markup to work both server-side and client-side. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, if we do some fancier things with JavaScript, with Drupal to improve the user experience. Um, and one of the challenges with that is how do we get it so that uh, the templates that we have, the markup that we have, if we're rendering on the server-side, how do we make sure that we don't have to rewrite our markup for when it gets used on the client-side? Um, so if we could have the, the same templates used on both server and client side, um, that would be really great. 
but there's a lot of challenges with that. Um, trying to get things like variable manipulation and pre-process working on on client side is challenging. So, so uh, making it easier to implement a design with components within our theme system, that's the big first thing. The second thing is uh, making sure that that works well for both front-end developers and site builders. And then the third thing is working well with external tools uh, like style guides and pattern libraries and uh, client-side JavaScript. Yeah, those are those would be really. I'm with you on the site builders. I I think that's such a great thing about Drupal, and so I would love to see us put more um, put more power in their hands. Um, as much as I like one and three as a front end person myself. Right. Um, so this sounds really really complicated. How are we actually going to get this done in Drupal? What's your What's your current I've heard a lot of suggestions. Um, and what's your current take on the best direction? Um, I think it's going to be complicated, honestly. <laughs> so I gave my presentation at uh, Drupal Camp Twin Cities where I talked through some of the implementation challenges with a lot of these things. And like I have to rework that talk because it was depressing. <laughs> it was, because I, I tried to like think through, okay, well, wh where are all the challenges going to come from this? And it's hard. Um, so there are a lot of efforts right now that I think are kind of focused on that, that first part. How can we make it easier for front-end developers to make a component-based theme? And and that's good. That's good that we have that. Um, so John Albin put together a a module called uh, Component Libraries, and essentially what it lets you do is it it lets you define a template in a different location than the templates folder, um, and give it whatever name you want. And so. That's that's good. You can put all of your markup into uh, one particular template for a component. And then what he does is then he includes that template into a Drupal template and uses the Drupal template to kind of do all the logic processing of what are the variables that we actually need for the markup in this component. And then he includes includes the... Uh, the component template, and then all the variables get passed in. And so uh, there's been a lot of discussion of this pattern, which is has been termed uh, the presenter pattern, which is using the, the Drupal templates for, um, for doing this presenter logic, for manipulating variables. It's the same sort of things that happens in preprocess functions, and then shipping it off to whatever template you have. Um, so you can do a lot of things with that. I think that's a that's a good first step for experimenting with. Um, I think the challenge comes if you're kind of tied still to the Drupal data structures that you um, where these templates are existing, like the data that's in those. You can sort of manipulate things and get some other data from from other sources, but uh, it's still a little bit tied to Drupal's data structures. And I'd, I'd love to see us get to the point where we can essentially define sort of a component object 
uh, with the data that we need for a template, and then we ship it off to um, to the the template that we want uh, with our markup. Uh, but this is a really good first start. It's a good good way for us to start experimenting. Um, this presenter pattern thing, I think, is going to be an important if we want to accomplish our second goal. Third goal? Yeah, third goal, which was uh, extending Drupal's markup outside of Drupal. Um, so Drupal is runs on PHP, right? JavaScript does not. So if we want to have the sort of logic for um, data processing and and have that uh, that data processing happen not within PHP in a preprocess function because we would need to duplicate that in these external tools that are not necessarily PHP based. Um, one way we could do that was to put would be to put that preprocessing logic into a twig template because in theory you can share a twig template with uh, an outside tool like Pattern Lab or you could share it with uh, client side. JavaScript. There's a library out there called Twig.js, um, which looks intriguing as possibly a way of reusing uh, Drupal's templates, out, Twig templates outside of Drupal itself. And so this pattern of putting the preprocess logic into a Twig template rather than a preprocess function, that could be a really useful pattern for us to keep in mind. Um, then, uh, sort of kind of in conjunction with that, one of the other goals we talked about was uh, using Drupal in a pattern library. And some, a lot of people have been doing some, some interesting things with that. Um, there, in particular, I, I like Pattern Lab as a pattern library tool. I think it's really great. Um, and there's some people that have made a Drupal-specific version of Pattern Lab that works with Twig. And they put in some specific extensions so that some of the special Twig logic that's... Uh, Twig's a tool that's used in Symfony projects and in other projects. It's a generic templating language. And, um, and Drupal makes use of it, but we do some special things. And so this Pattern Lab project lets you do those special things like work with attributes objects uh, within your templates when they're in Pattern Library. So there's some interesting work that's going on with that to 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 do some integrations um let's see i think yeah Jim. yeah so <laughs> I if where, i don't know where to go from there <laughs> um so if we're if we're looking at achieving all three of those goals like how big of a change is this for drupal is it on the scale of twig is it on the scale of symphony is it not as big as either of those like where do you, how do you see this scope wise yeah well it depends <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there, there's one particular issue that uh, Wim Lears had started that's looking at trying to make, trying to start getting some component-based logic into Drupal itself, into Drupal core. And, and uh, there's been a lot and a lot of discussion on that particular issue. And yes, that issue is head exploding. Pretty, <laughs> eh, pretty big. So, and that's kind of like one step for what could be necessary for making Drupal's theme system more component-based. I think it's honestly, 
if you really wanted to go all the way down the rabbit hole and make Drupal system really component-based, and you wanted to make those components integrate well with site-building tools so that it's it's easier to keep that component-based markup in sync with what's happening in the site-building tools, I think it's a very large scope, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, on the scale of Twig, maybe somewhere in between Twig and Symphony integration. Because I think that the site, the tools that we have right now for working, Drupal's site building tools right now are based a lot on mixing together defining data structures with defining the appearance of those data structures. They're really tightly tied together. So you create a content type. Then you go to the view mode page. And those are really tightly tied together, right? That you have a view mode that's talking about here's how the fields for this content type are going to be displayed in various situations. It's very useful that we can do multiple view modes. That's great. But it's still pretty tightly tied to here are the fields for this particular content type. Here's how you get to display them. Um, views kind of also gets pretty mixed in terms of mixing together a lot of different things. You can um, you can mix together defining here's how one particular object might appear on a page. Here's where, or you might like an entire list of things. It gets pretty complicated and. I think if you really made a component-based site, uh, I think it would be a lot like integrating panels into Drupal. That would be like panels is a very component-based system. Um, and there's already efforts to do kind of things like that with the blocks and layout initiative. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a big scope and there's a lot of work and I'm not sure how it's all going to get done. And <laughs> I'm a little bit scared and excited and... I want it to happen, but it seems so hard. Well, it sounds like one of the things that you're saying is that if we if we can sort of separate those goals and not try to achieve all three of them at once, um, like right yeah. now we're working on, um, you know, we're working on the front end focused goal and we can sort of postpone the site builder piece um, until later and we're thinking about the, the decoupled piece. Um, so in yeah. terms of in terms of actually, you know, like implementing this in an actionable way, um, I've heard a couple of different ideas. One is to sort of go off and do it in contrib, um, use Zen and the and John Albin's components module, um, and have that be sort of the testing ground before bringing all that back into core. Um, and then there's also been a lot of talk around a new core theme um, that would be primarily design focused, but could be our testing ground um, for adding components. Where do you where do you think we ought to be doing that initial work? I think we should experiment in a lot of different areas and try things out and see what's working. Um, we're really early in the Drupal 8 cycle. And a part of me is feeling like we should just kind of mess around with the tools that we have right now and see how things are going before we completely redesign the theme system. 
uh, as much as I would like to do that. Um, we're still trying to figure out how the theme system works right now for Drupal 8. And trying to do that while also completely redesigning it, just it feels like a lot. Um, so I think I think Zen's some there's some interesting experimentations going on with that. I think people should check it out and see how that's working and see where people run into pain points. And you know, when we figure out the pain points, those are things that maybe we should look at. Hey, how can we make that easier with Drupal Core? Um, the new theme, I I think it's important to make clear that. Uh, there were some people that wanted to make a new theme for Drupal. Um, Bartik is has has served us well for a really long time, and it's cool. There's a lot of effort that, that made that went into making that. Uh, some people want a a new theme that has a different look than Bartik, and um, and and want to start with a design focus and create a custom design for a new theme and then work out how to implement that. And there's been some mention like, well, we could, you know, use components for that. And I'm personally, I'm excited that some people want to make a new theme. And I don't think we should hold that work up on whatever component things are going on. Um, the component stuff is very complicated, and I think it would slow down. It's an implementation thing, and I don't think the people that want to make a new theme should get held up on whatever's going to happen with components. Um, that that issue got into a lot of weeds and details about how do we implement this and what sort of component system do we use, and that wasn't the initial idea that some people had. And... I want to see people feel empowered to get excited about something they want to do in Drupal and kind of come up with a plan and and sort of run with it. And so many times in Drupal, we get stuck in circular discussions about, well, I want to do it this way and I want to do it that way. And it's valuable for people to have input. But I guess I'm I'm a little bit bummed out on that issue that it got kind of stuck in the circular implementation discussion rather than letting the people who wanted to do something new and interesting kind of just run with that. So I hope they find a way to do that. It seems to me like this whole components discussion is eerily similar to the whole let's rewrite Drupal 8 on Symphony discussion early on. And, you know, it's everyone's hearts are in the right place. I mean, this, it would be, as you said, it would be amazing if we got these, you know, the full component functionality into Drupal yeah. core, as you described, but mm -hmm. that's, I don't think anybody can look at all of that and say, Oh, that's going to take us, you know, six months to do, and then we're going to be done. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I complicated. Think, yeah. I think everybody agrees. If that's going to be a long haul. And right. I, I think we have to be cognizant of the last time the community went down this long haul route, a lot of people ended up, you know, experiencing burnout and, you know, bad feelings and a lot of bike shedding as well. Hmm. So I'm not on I'm not at all familiar. No. <laughs> well I'll, if you go back, there's you know, there's some other podcasts you can listen to, you might you might yeah. <laughs> Really? This people right. got burned or you out. Could, right. <laughs> So, or you I mean, could just I, read this issue about the new core theme. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's one of those things where I think, you know, I, I, I really liked what you said earlier about we're so early with Drupal 8 theming 
that now's the time to play an experiment. And Mm -hmm. just listening to you talk about all of the wants, like we want it to be able to do this and we want it to be able to do that. Um, The more wants and the more big picture things that we talk about, the more I realize we don't know, right? There's, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't know what we don't know type of thing. Um, I I actually listened to a presentation over the weekend. I was at Drupal Camp Asheville and Derek DeRapps gave a great presentation. And it was very similar to this where it was, he wanted a way to um, create a, 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 you know, theme something with his prototyping tool and Mm -hmm. then have it automatically work on Drupal. Which was, I believe, one of your three, you know, you know, main tenets yep. of, of web, web components. And, you know, he's able to make it work for, you know, the very specific way that he's doing things. But is that, is, is that too much to ask, you know, to, to include into Drupal core yet? Because that's just one method. You know, is it the best, best right. method? Who knows? No, I don't think anybody can, can, knows that yet. I I think the as I've looked at the implementation details, the the thorniest ones are integration with third party systems. Mm-hmm. Trying to make Drupal work, trying to make Drupal's theme system work outside of Drupal's theme system is surprisingly challenging, <laughs> because we have a very extensible system and there's a lot of moving parts in it. And trying to make like all the ways that we like choose templates work outside of Drupal is very hard in my opinion. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking that, that, yeah, uh, as Kelly mentioned to, to focus our efforts more on, you know, a, can we get this working in a way that within Drupal itself, we could make eventually Drupal's markup more component based. That would be really good. And then also finding ways to expose that to site builders, uh, making that integrate well with site builders so that we don't make Drupal really friendly for front-end developers, but then it doesn't really work so well for site builders anymore. Um, I think those to me are the most important things. And then maybe it's a little bit more complicated for somebody. You know, If the templates exist and where you have one template per component, then people are going to find ways to figure that out to reuse it in other style guide tools, but, but trying to build complete and total flexibility, like moving our pre-process functions into twig templates. Um, it just really gets really complicated really fast. And, uh, that's where I get nervous. All right. Well, let's, let's move so, on. But, oh, okay. Let, one, sure. one final question. Now yes. that we've sold everybody on how <laughs> rewarding it's going to be to get involved in this effort, <laughs> if people want to get involved, how can they do that? Sure. So uh, probably the best way to do that is that we have a Slack for Drupal front-end folks. Um, and, and we have like a channel about components. And um, we should put a link to that. Yes, how we should. And sign up for that Drupal Slack. Uh, it will be in the show notes. Mark has willed it. We have lots of chats and we have front-end rants sometimes. There's also a Slack for all of, like, there's a Slack for Drupal development in general. There's a front-end channel there as well, but uh, most of the people are in the the front-end Slack. Yeah, the Drupal Twig Slack is great. And if you go to the announcements channel, there's a list of all the other channels, and you can see everything you want to 
we've been having discussions like on Wednesdays, usually, uh, like where everybody chats at the same time in the components channel. And there's been a lot of discussion about that. But part of the reason we, we've, we've ended up kind of just going in circles on discussions and things. So I, I think we're really at the point where people just need to experiment with things and see what works and what doesn't. And what are some incremental ways we can make things better? Golly, I hate to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So is there, you know, I've heard of the, the Drupal Slack channels. Yeah. Is there momentum shifting from IRC to these Drupal Slack channels? I don't know. I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about it. Okay, let's not even um, go down that road. There's so much. There's, oh, golly. No, I'm, I'm going to say that's a great segue into the next topic. Well, we're going to do, I, I'm going to make a command decision here. We're going to... Yeah, I just wait like one sentence is it's it's a really challenging things because IRC is open source. Anybody can use it. Right. It like it's it's available to everybody. And that's great. Um, Slack. A lot more people have gotten involved in discussions that ever happen in IRC because it's easy to use. And it's you can see people's faces with little avatars and you can make fun emoji and it's it's easy to use and so you've got this conflict between slack is definitely a closed source thing right irc is open source and that's great but you know what do you do like where's you've got to move the make the community work and and a lot of people find irc intimidating i sure did for a lot of for a long long yeah. time it made me cry the first time I tried to get on IRC to work on Drupal. So <laughs> I was really happy to see Slack. <laughs> it took I, I probably would have gotten involved in Drupal development like five years earlier if it hadn't if I could have figured out IRC. And I never really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Seriously. That right it, there, it was, that's uh you know, talk about we want to grow the uh you know, the contributor community. That right there sounds like um you know, an ad for moving away from IRC. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's hard. All right. We got to, Kelly, let's write this one down for a future topic. Cause I actually like oh. this discussion. I could go on for a while, but we're not, cause we're well, going to move to the speed right. round with you. But we're, moment. Okay. We're, just, we're skipping the composer thing. No, we're not going to skip it. It's going to be part of the okay, speed cause round. I, cause I thought this was a good transition, right? Are the tools needed to get involved in Drupal, making it too difficult to get involved in Drupal? Yeah. I think yeah. Mark might have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, now that I'm working on Drupal 8 client projects, you get to run into the fun little challenges that that you run into. And so I'm running into working with not only Drupal 8, which is a new set of tools, but working with Composer which is the package management tool that lets you make use of third-party dependencies and also making use of Docker for setting up my local development environment. And you put all three of those into a project, and everybody's learning that. And it's complicated. And there's lots of challenges. Um, and so it's very a, cool. You just wrote there's a blog post. You want to mention your blog post real quick? Sure. I wrote up a blog post about Composer, some of the things I've been running into and thinking about with composer and and the bottom line is that you you know there are definitely areas that you're struggling with because it's it's complicated i guess that's the best way of, of of putting it it's complicated but i think the thing that i wanted to point out in that blog post which i don't know if people have 
thought through completely is that so composer manages um, the dependencies for a Drupal project, right? Um, and if you're just using Drupal core, then it's pretty straightforward. If you want to download Drupal from Drupal.org, no problem. You can just do that, and you can unpackage the files, and then you have Drupal, and it's great. But if you, uh, I have you ever used a Drupal site with no contributed modules at all, Mike? Um, maybe to teach or as a demo. <laughs> right. You're probably going to use some contributed modules, right? Sure. So what happens? Uh, a contributed module in Drupal 8 can have its own composer.json file, which defines the dependencies that it has. And it can have its own third-party dependencies. And the moment that that happens, then uh, you need to have your entire site. You can't download it from Drupal.org anymore. You need to manage your entire site with uh, a composer file. And ideally, you probably want to have that composer file outside of your web root. And that means you need to have a web host that allows you to have a nested doc root. And there Don't is spoil suddenly your pick of the week. And ex- well, I changed. My <laughs> oh, did you change? <laughs> I did. Um, but but anyways, there's a whole love. There's a big level of complication as soon as you use one module that has uh, has its own dependencies, because you can't just like leave it in its own composer JSON file. You have to have that module then required in your composer JSON file so that all the pen- dependencies can be kind of um, the the version numbers can be sorted out for the entire project and they can get pulled into Drupal 8's autoloader in one specific place. Uh, for the last six months, I worked on uh, the AMP module and the AMP theme um, for uh, contributed projects for Drupal that let you use AMP on your Drupal site. And part of that project um, that I worked on with my fellow Lullabots um, was there's, a, there's also an AMP library that we made. And that, that's a PHP library that uh, other projects besides Drupal can make use of. And that gets pulled into the project versus via the, the modules composer JSON file. And so doing that meant that I had to take my personal site, if I wanted to make use of it, like I found I really had to kind of rejigger the whole site to be a composer-based site for that to work. And I think you're going to see more and more contrib modules that that do that. They find that there's some third-party dependency, some third-party PHP package that they want to make use of. And so they're going to require, you know... Address uh, field for Drupal 8 is, is a great example of that one. That's a great example of it, yeah. they. I know, uh, uh, you know, the whole commerce, Drupal commerce stuff has been making use of that uh, strategy. So as as long as there's one module... Really, you get to the point where your entire site needs to be transitioned to a composer-based site. And that means that as the contrib cycle goes on and more and more modules end up choosing this route, it's going to be a pretty high likelihood that you'll have at least one module that works like this. And then your whole site needs to be composer-based. And all of the Drupal.org downloads for both the modules and for Drupal itself, I mean, it's great that they're there, but that's not how you're going to set up your Drupal 8 site. And that's a that is a big barrier for site builders, right? Like I've run, I've been working on this for months trying to figure this stuff out, and I kind of understand a few things, 
you know, I'm I'm just stumbling through this and trying to figure it out. And I think I think it's a a, a challenge, and it it raises the bar for who's going to be able to successfully be able to set up a Drupal site. Yeah, it raises absolutely. the bar for site builder like complexity and for like hosting requirements possibly as well. Yeah, if you're a Drupal seven site builder and you moved to Drupal eight and you haven't been involved in the Drupal eight, you know. Um, a development process or, or, or porting modules to Drupal 8 and you go and try and do this stuff and Composer is new to you and all this other Drupal 8 stuff is new to you, I think it's definitely a barrier. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, I'm going to try this again. We're going to move to the speed round this time. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I think... Before, I will try to be succinct. <laughs> before we start the podcast, we knew that this composer discussion, that we could go on for, you know, another hour, but yeah. we'll, that's, that's yeah, another we podcast. kind of touched on some of the things here. Yeah. All right, so um, three quick things that w- we want you to touch on, because I believe you are involved heavily in all three, especially the first one. Um, you have a GitHub repository uh, about writing tests for Drupal. Yeah. So this came about because um, I'm trying to learn how to write tests. So I got involved, you know, a few years years ago with core development, and I've sort of been stumbling through things and trying to learn things as I go. I'm a front end developer, you know, kind, you know, primarily, but I've had to learn more and more back end things as I go to be able to make Drupal better for front end development. And so I keep going down these rabbit holes where I try to learn more and more things just so that I can make the front-end changes that I want. And one of the barriers that I've run into is how to write tests for Drupal. In particular, I've been involved with um, getting responsive images working well with Drupal 8. And uh, we've got this issue that was how do we make use of image styles and responsive image styles for images that are uploaded via WYSIWYG. And this is an issue that was almost ready to go right before Drupal 8's release, but there were no tests written for it. And so it couldn't get in because we didn't have any tests written for the issue. And so, you know, I got kind of burned out once we got uh, Drupal 8's release and I didn't work on things for a while. But when I went to, I went to DrupalCon New Orleans and yeah, that was my first DrupalCon. It was fun. Um, but I went to the extended sprints and like my goal was to get that issue ready. I wanted to be able to write tests for that issue so we could get that issue in for 8.2. Um, and so I worked like on the weekends, both weekends on, on that issue. I worked on it like on the Monday of DrupalCon as well. And I had help from people that were around me, uh, that were a big help, but I still like, I, I couldn't get the issue done. I just, I still didn't know enough about writing tests. So, so I'm trying to personally learn about writing tests. So one weekend I was like, okay, how do I learn about this stuff? So I got a little bit carried away and I went through every single DrupalCon site since the beginning. And I found all the sessions that were about testing. And I wrote down all the links to them and I thought, hey, maybe I'll share this. Other people could find it useful. And and then we can all learn about how to write tests together because that's often a big barrier for moving issues forward in the Drupal issue queue. And so I found a bunch of resources and I just put it into a simple Git repo just in a, a readme file so people can link to it and you know suggest changes and things. So, so I, I posted that and uh, I already had one person add a resource, which was really cool. Thank you, Steve Persh. Um, 
So, so that was cool. Uh, so I'm hoping to learn more. So you mentioned real quick in there, um, DrupalCon New Orleans and responsive images, which ties into yeah. the next thing we wanted to touch on. Um, was uh, you gave a responses images um, presentation at, at DrupalCon New Orleans. Yeah, I've kind of been uh, giving versions of this talk over the last year at a bunch of different Drupal camps and things and, and gave it to New Orleans. And it was uh, talking about how you, not just like the physical things that you do in Drupal to set up image styles and responsive image styles, but how do you plan out a responsive images solution? How do you look at your design for your website and figure out, hey, what are the different responsive image sizes that we'll need? Like, how do we, what file sizes am I going to need? How do I plan this all out? So that's kind of what that talk is about, uh, about how to how to make a plan for that. And I've been meaning to write that up as a blog post for basically a year, and I've got a draft, and hopefully I'll get that out at some point soon here. But. <laughs> Uh, it's just it's on my to-do list. All right, very good. And the Liberty theme, which you are uh, are you the only maintainer or one of the maintainers? I'm I'm the maintainer of the Liberty theme. So give us so, a quick overview. Um, What's the Liberty theme? What's it all about? Is it component based? So, Can we? Uh, you know. Not really. No. <laughs> uh, somebody had been talking on Twitter about uh, like. I want to know how to set up a theme in Drupal 8 with LibSass and that sort of thing and with Grunt and Gulp and things. So mm. so that's like I initially set up a theme just to demonstrate how you can do that, kind of. Um, but then I kind of went into the weeds and did some other things. So uh, so I started out uh, by using as a basis for this, a Lullabot has a great theme called Windup, and you can, you can that's on Drupal org as well. You can make use of that. That's a, a very good theme that my fellow Lullabot front-end developers put together. And and what I did kind of a little bit differently from what that was going on was I worked with the people at um, on the, the Drupal console project to add some new commands to Drupal console to uh, help with theme generation. So uh, there's a lot of base themes out there that to create a sub theme, there's a lot of different ways that you can create a sub theme. Sometimes um, it's take this folder here, copy it, and then rename all the file names and all the function names and doing that manually. And it's kind of a pain. Um, sometimes it's, there's a drush tool for doing that. And behind the scenes, it's actually doing that exact same thing. It's, it's manually like doing regex and looking through file names and manually rename them to a certain thing. And then sometimes, like, there's, hey, you can use Yeoman, which is this scaffolding tool that lets you um, create a project based on some specific requirements you put in there. But but Yeoman is you have to host the files elsewhere in a Git repo, not within your Drupal project itself. So I wanted something that kind of solved those problems. So um, so I have I set this this theme up with a, a custom. Drupal console command that lets you type um, Drupal uh, generate colon lib theme. And then it asks you, what do you want to name your theme? And you can, you know, name it Jawa, for example. And then it'll ask you a few more questions. It'll ask you, do you want to set up your, your theme with grunt or with gulp? And then yes. it will, will, you know, choose 
you know, based on your selection, it'll create all the, the theme files. It'll create all, like it has a whole SAS setup and how you can compile SAS and JavaScript. And it sets it all up and renames all the files that need to be renamed. Uh, what's kind of interesting is that rather than like doing regex to, ch- to make all those file name changes, you can actually create templates um, based on the choices from the questions that's asked in the Drupal console command. And it's, it's twig files that are used as templates. So you can actually have a twig file for your twig file if you need to, to have things renamed inside of it. Um, and so that's kind of fun. And like when I went down that, I realized when I was doing the gulp version that I wanted to have SAS globbing and there wasn't a SAS globbing um, thing for gulp. So I wrote an NPM module. I learned how to write an NPM module. I didn't know that was a thing I could do, but I figured it out and I wrote a SAS globbing gulp module so that that could be part of the theme. So let me ask a question, kind of off, not off topic, but related. Yeah. Um, you know, I know you have a full-time job. You work with all about front-end um, yeah. uh, theme or, or front-end uh, front-ender, front-end developer. That's the right phrase yeah. I'm looking for for Lava. <laughs> um, outside of work hours, it sounds like you do a lot. I mean, how many hours do you think outside of work hours are you, like, on average, contributing back? I mean, it depends. I go in cycles where I, yeah. you know, do you know, 10, 15 hours in a week. And then there's other weeks where I'm not doing as much. Or You're doing negative doing. hours, as a matter of fact. You're sabotaging the community. I, I, <laughs> I feel like I've been a grump lately, honestly. Like I'm just like, point out things that are challenging and problematic. And I feel like I'm being a big grump and <laughs> I don't, I need to find a way to find like, Hey, here's the positive solution for this. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I play video games at night sometimes because I need to de-stress, right? I've got a yeah. kid. My my wife and I, you know, we have time time with her. We get her to bed. But I'm a night owl, so I'm up usually. Yeah. I watch some TV. Um, I try to find times for writing, and it just it's hard. I'm tired a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, here, take a break. Take a break for a few for a minute or so. Let okay. me talk about some Drupal Easy news. And then we're going to come back and we're going to hit you with uh, Star Wars trivia. Okay. So prepare yourself. So do what you need to do. For about, you got about a minute here. Um, I do want to say the fall uh, session of Drupal Career Online is starting in a little more than a month. Actually, on September 26th, applications are now open. Um, we just had our first Taste of Drupal webinar earlier this week, which is basically... Um, it's a webinar where we talk about what is involved with Drupal Career Online, um, you know, for potential students to, to hop on the webinar and we give them a little presentation and we allow, you know, they ask questions. We have discussion about, you know, what are the expectations, what's covered, how does the class work? You know, it's three half days a week. There's some lab hours involved. There's homework. There's all kinds of curriculum. How's that curriculum accessed? All those uh, kinds of questions we answer at the Taste of Drupal. Um, so right now our class is a blend of Drupal 7 and Drupal 8. It's a 12-week class, um, but you know you can actually say right now it's a 14-week class because um, at the end of the 12 weeks, uh, I do do a Drupal 8, uh, Introduction Drupal 8 module development and Introduction Drupal 8 theme development as kind of add-ons to the course for those students that are interested. So you certainly do get your money's worth. It's, you know, there's a good deal of time invested, um, for students in this class. But, um, 
the students who who enter the class, you know, with the attitude that they're going to soak it all in and, and do their homework and everything. Ultimately, those students are successful. Um, we've actually had some really, really, you know, great um, um, feedback from our graduates. You know, we had two graduates without jobs at the end of the last class, and both of them are now working close to full-time gigs um, as Drupal developers. Um, and, and that's pretty cool. Um, one of them was in a non-technical field to begin with. It was actually in the healthcare field prior to taking the class. So by all means, check that out at drupaleasy.com slash DCO, which stands for Drupal Career Online. And I also uh, want to invite everyone to check out the same, the aforementioned, I should say, Introduction to Drupal 8 Module Development class in Dublin. Um, as part of DrupalCon Dublin, uh, our class was accepted as one of the official trainings, which will be taking place also on Monday, September 26th. So you'll get to see me juggle. That'll be really exciting for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but again, that's a full day workshop. It's the exact same workshop we gave at DrupalCon New Orleans. We had uh, over 30 people at that workshop. Um, really great feedback. Um, it's one of those workshops I'm, I'm super proud of. It, it's fun to teach and um, students walk away from that having built three custom modules in Drupal 8, having a really good understanding of how Drupal console helps scaffold modules, um, as well as a really good uh, idea of the plugin system in, in Drupal 8. So if you're interested in learning more about D8 module development, um, you should definitely come to Dublin because, you know, it's, you know, it's Dublin and there's leprechauns and, you know, Irish people. So what, what more do you need? Um, yeah. So Mark, you ready? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I get the feeling you're not taking this seriously, Mark. Do or do not. There is no try. I'm ready. Let's uh, do this. Okay, number one, we're going to start you off easy. What were Luke's aunt's and uncle's job on Tatooine? Moisture farmers. Very good. Okay, see? Not so hard. Yeah. What, what was the original name of the first Star Wars movie when it went into production? Oh, well, I'm going to say Journal of the Wills. Oh, boy. I think I'm going to give you credit for that. I mean, it was originally released as Star Wars in the theaters. Right. It wasn't later. It was called Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope, but that it was originally called Star Wars. Yeah, but I was specifically, uh, I think you answered, you know, the, the question I was asking, like before it was released, when it first went into production. Yeah. So the full name, yeah. the full name as I have it, it's. Adventures of Luke Starkiller, as taken uh, from the Journal of the Journal Wills. Wills. Yeah, yep, so, Luke Starkiller, yeah. which then they made made use of the Starkiller part in The Force Awakens. Exactly. With Starkiller base. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, I Spoiler. think I'm going to give him credit for that one. Are you cool with that? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. All right, very good. Um, and by the way, I only got three of these five right. Just so you know. Okay. So, and right. I did, certainly did not get that question right. I had to look that one up. Bring it on. Okay. Oh, you know what? Another fun fact is that in the original like artwork for that, um, like Chewie looked a lot different, and he looked like this bug-eyed creature. And now they're using basically that artwork for one of the characters in the Star Wars Rebels cartoon, 
which I just think is awesome. Man, look at you. I, I actually think that question that I just gave you was the hardest. So you might, this might be smooth sailing from here on out. All right, we'll see. Um, okay, so from Empire Strikes Back, the big walking <laughs> things on the ice planet, they were called ADATs, A-T-A-T. Mm-hmm. What does ADAT stand for? All-terrain assault transport. Hmm. I have a different answer. Uh, I have all-terrain armored transport. All right. Fair enough. But you, I mean, three out of four words, I mean. (laughs) Yeah. I I just kind of, I just kind of spat it out. I should have thought about it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll see how we'll do on the, we're going to, we're going to put that one to the side for now. And if you get the next two right. ST is all-terrain scout transport. Okay, that, that wasn't one of the questions. You can't brown those. Right <laughs> I'm like making up my own questions. I'll tell you what. If you get the next two right. You're like Kathy Face. If, yeah, yeah, if you get the next two right, then ah, I'll give you credit right. for the third one. I'll sure. All right. Bring it. Um, okay, this one I think is another uh, easier one, especially for someone uh, of your intellect, uh, Star Wars intellect, I'll say. From oh, which sure. planet is Han Solo from? Uh, he is from Corellia. That's right. Correct. Very good. And who is the director of episode nine? Oh, episode nine? Episode nine, <laughs> yes. Well, episode eight is Rian Johnson. Right. Um, but episode nine, uh, it's the guy who did Jurassic World, actually. It's, uh, dang it, what's his name? It's, um,. That can't count, right? Like, I know I, who it is. I, I know. Like, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to give something like that. It's, I'm going to give uh, you credit. I think <laughs> that's amazing. It, yeah, uh, you're right. He, it's the guy who did Jurassic World. Yeah, his first name begins with the letter C. How about that? C. Yeah, C. C as in Colin. Colin. It, well, the last name starts with T. Then it's like uh, yeah. Colin. Yes, that's right. it's very right. much yes. like that. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, uh, I believe it's pronounced Trevorrow. Although whenever I see it, I see. I knew it. that Trevor was in there somehow. Yeah. I want to say tomorrow yeah. whenever I see the word because it looks like yes. Tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jurassic World was fun. Well. So I'm interested to see what what happens with that. So, so uh, episode you know, seven is great. Uh, my daughter really likes it. So. Yeah, yeah. My, I think we, we we may have talked about this in New Orleans. Yeah, my daughter's yeah. turned into a Star Wars nut as well. I, I well, I think it definitely passed the test. All right, um, five out of five. Eh, you know, I I think, I think there's an argument there to say you. you I, I hesitate. I don't want to say you 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 passed the test perfectly because there were you know there were a couple bumps. So I don't think I need to update my Drupal.org profile. Is what you're saying? You know, I'm going to leave that See, up to you. <laughs> I think he's saying he wants you to update your Drupal.org profile, so therefore he's reluctant to call any of those amiss. Yeah. Uh, as as nearly verified by. <laughs> yeah, it is nearly. I mean, you you for Almost every single nearly. answer, you you were you either had it or you were very close on every single, answer, or you had yeah. partial credit on every answer. So I'm going to leave it in your hands. That was pretty good. All right, it's something I enjoy. I I. I did a ignite talk on the Star Wars prequels at our Lullabot retreat last last week. That was fun. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. All right, let's move into three stories and begin hour three of our podcast here. Um, 
Story number one, uh, proposal by our friend Damian McKenna. Should we deprecate the field collection module for Drupal 8 in lieu of entity reference revisions and the paragraphs module? Hmm. So I will be the first one to chime in here, and I say, yes, we should definitely do that. And not offer up any background or rationale why we should, other than... I have struggled with the field collection module in Drupal 8. There's a 1.x branch. There's a 2.x branch. They are completely different architectures. The 2.x branch appears to be a more modern architecture. The 1.x branch is the one that's getting more attention and TLC lately. Um, but after I saw this post, I know I'm actually we're, I'm using paragraphs and field collection on a site. And when I saw just the title of this, it made me think, wait a minute. I can use paragraphs for what I'm using field collection for and be done with this whole 1.x or 2.x branch stuff with field collection. So I've been trying to rack my brain. Is there a use case for field collection that isn't covered by one of these two other modules? And I'm going to take that as a no, and Damien has his answer, yeah. and we can move on. I've used field collections in the past. It's because um, I had interest in like having it for some specific reasons, and mm. and you know it's been challenging to work with sometimes. There, yep. A lot of people put a lot of effort into it. There's some funky stuff that happens with it. Paragraphs seems to have some easier less, ways to work with it. I've heard some people say that they're still having theme challenges with paragraphs. Mm. Um and ultimately, gonna... all, all of these types of modules kind of ultimately funnel down into interaction with inline entity form as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think to have, you know, and, and I'd love to, I haven't read through the entire thread uh, for a couple of days, but I, I'd, I'd love to hear if there is a, a use case for field collection that doesn't exist for paragraphs. Because if not, if there's not a strong use case, I, I'm I'm happy just you know moving to paragraphs and being done with it. This is uh, selfish of me, but I'll just say that I think that these both of these things are also kind of solving some of the things things that a component based theme system could solve, right? Mm-hmm. Like ultimately, this is about a, a paragraph is essentially yep. like putting a component into you know having a, a node being able to select you know particular components for a note so i'm not sure if i'm impressed with the callback to the earlier discussion or or disgusted with me yeah we're disgusted (laughs) by you trying to drag us back into an earlier discussion somewhere (laughs) somewhere in between (laughs) no that's a a good call i know a lot of people like it it's neat paragraphs is i mean it is it is the drupal 8 hotness right now it is pretty popular triple seven as well all right, um, next story. Let's move on. Um, I This is from CSSTricks.com. It's a blog post about the average web page. Um, and it's from data uh, from after analyzing 8 million, 8 million web pages. Um, some really interesting data points came out of this. I'm not going to go too deep into it. Um, but they did things about measure what are the most frequently used HTML elements on a page. And um, in descending order, you know, it's not super surprising, but in descending order, head, HTML, body, title, meta. So we kind of take care of all the stuff on the top of the page at that point. But then after that, um, I'm sure Drupal is, is helping with this one, div, 
is the most popular after that. (laughs) (laughs) Followed by by anchor tags. And the next one is where I thought I was really surprised. Script tags are next after that. Followed by link, image, paragraph, span, li, ul, br, and then a bunch of others. But I thought the fact that div was so high was was, uh, funny. Maybe not super surprising, but funny, at least. Um, and which of the, here's the other, one other thing I wanted to actually, one or two other points I wanted to, uh, make here of, of the heading, of the header tags, you know, H1, H2 through H6, which of those is the most widely used? I'd guess H2. I'm looking at the page, so I should probably be able to see this. (laughs) Do you want to take a guess, Kelly, or do you know the answer? Well, I'm looking at the page also, so I know the H3, answer. H3, yeah. H3, H3 yeah. And H3. Hmm. Yeah, well, because it's because of frequency, and in theory, yeah. you're probably going to have much many fewer H1 tags on a page. Yep, exactly. exactly. All right, so there's, there's a bunch of good stats in there, um, so check that out. It's um, on css-tricks.com, but the link will be in the show notes, as always. Um, and then about a week ahead. Go ahead, Kelly. I just want to say that's inside the content sectioning element. So if you're looking at the mm-hmm. overall page, H1 is the most popular. Hmm. Did, did I have that wrong? Did I look at that Scroll. wrong? I think so. If you The first graph that appears on the page says the 26 oh. elements used on most pages ordered by frequency. And right. they're oh, right. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. They're measuring different things. That one is, is this the 26 elements used on most pages is, is this element used at all? And the other one is the frequency of those elements. It says ordered by frequency. So is that, do they just mean ordered by whether or not it appears? The frequency appears. Out of all 8 million pages, how many of those pages does the head element appear on? Okay. And the other one, it's of 8 million pages, how many occurrences of H3s are there on all of those pages? Yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense. Okay. So last story, um, I guess it's about a week and a half ago, uh, a couple of really fun blog posts, um, which I think edu- ended up in, in the end, educated a lot of people. Um, the first one was by Steve Burge who said, uh, there will never be a Drupal nine and here's why. And, uh, followed up a, just a couple of days earlier by Gabor Hotsji, Hotsi. Um, who said, who wrote, um, oh, and I actually just read the title wrong. The first one by Steve Burge is, there will never be a Drupal 9. The follow-up was, there will be a Drupal 9, and here is why, by Gabor. And to summarize the discussion, it basically said, you know, Drupal 8.1, 8.2, 8.3, and so on, those will continue adding new features and new functionality um, for, for a while now. The break to Drupal 9 will come when the community decides that we want to break backwards combat compatibility with some old technology, with some old code. So Drupal 9 may not be a huge, you know, feature rich or, or, or you know, feature rich new version of Drupal core. Rather, it will be the same version of Drupal core as 8.38 minus a bunch of code that provided some backward compatibility. Um, which was kind of an interesting take, and that's very much a change for our community from the way we've been doing things all along. I don't, Kelly and, and 
Mark, did you guys read those articles and kind of come to the same conclusion? Um, Kelly, do you? Uh, yeah, I. Um, sure. Yeah, I did. I thought. Uh, <laughs> so I'll yeah, take I thought. Yes. I, I I thought the second one seemed more logical to me. Um, I like I can see where you know I can see where he's where he's going with we're never going to bother to we're going to be too tired <laughs> especially after getting all this web component stuff done we're going to be exhausted I think I think that what Gabor said was closer to reality than I think we will have Drupal 9 I think yeah. unquestionably that's what people have been talking about is that we remove all the old old uh, la- layers that we're not using anymore and that's Drupal 9 I suspect that it will be more complicated than that. I suspect that people will want to make some API changes that, that they can't really make in a feature change. I suspect that there will be some refactoring people want to make mm-hmm. that is that needs to be specifically for Drupal 9. Uh, Drupal 8 is, is much more object-oriented than Drupal 7. There's a lot of procedural code still in Drupal 8. I suspect people will want to clean that up, and that's probably only going to... A lot of that's probably going to happen in, you know, in between the last eight point whatever and nine. So yeah. hopefully it doesn't take too long. But and it, it yeah. can also be tied to um, like a, a major symphony update as well. You know, something could change. Um, you know, in some of the the projects that we're using that requires us to refactor a bunch of things, and maybe that's that's where the line is going to be drawn. Alrighty, let's move on to our, our picks of the week. I will go first. Um, a real simple little module called the Smart Trim Module, uh, available for Drupal 7 and Drupal 8. Uh, this module is used when you are looking to trim um, on, a, on a field formatter, um, like on a managed display page, and you've got a body field, and you want to trim it down to X number of characters. If you use the trim that's in Drupal core and you have HTML inside of that body field, then wacky things can happen. You can leave opening, mm. opening, you know, anchor tags or even worse, an opening table tag and trim the closing table tag and, and whatnot. All the smart trim module does is will strip out the HTML. It, it has a couple different options, but one of the options is to strip out that HTML prior to the trim so that you don't end up with you know, crazy broken pages um, after trimming uh, body tags. So just a real super easy, super small, super useful um, module called the Smart Trim Module. Kelly, your pick of the week. Nice. So my pick of the week, people may have already seen by now, but I was super excited about this, so I wanted to talk about it, that the Drupal security team has now added um, a shield icon on Drupal.org project pages to indicate which releases of a project have been vetted by the security team. Um, And so now you can see this great shield next um, next to any of the versions that are covered. And the reason I like this so much is embarrassing confession for for a very long time i didn't realize that dev and you know beta and alpha releases were not getting vetted if i thought about it i would have figured that out but i just hadn't thought about it um and so i think it's really good to be calling out to people like these you know these versions are secure and production safe um and this is a really great easy way to do it 
Yep, perfect. I mean, it's, it's super visible. It's a little shield, a little blue and white shield icon, I believe, and it makes yep. it you know dead obvious as to whether or not a particular release has um, has coverage. I think it'll be interesting to see if this pushes people to move to 1.0 faster. If it, if it, if people, you know, the the labels, the alpha, beta, those are all just controlled by the project owner there there's definitions for them but there's no gate that says you've passed the gate you can be alpha or beta or 1.0 or rc1 or whatever Uh, so i i wonder if uh if there will be people that a either like work harder to get their thing so that it can be like they consider it 1.0 because some people set really high standards for themselves as to what is a 1.0 um and if some people I don't know. I've gone through like the Drupal theme listings, like trying to see what what are the Drupal eight themes, and you'd be amazed the things that like get listed up there is like a one Like they've had like one release, and now now they're one It's kind of funny. I don't see how it couldn't do that. Yeah, um, I mean it's 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 gamification. It's you know it's the reason right. why we're all playing Pokemon Go thirteen hours a day is because we want to get like, the <laughs> collector badge or you know whatever. Not that I know. I'm staying away from that game. I don't know exactly. anything about the game whatsoever. Me too, so. but the rest of my family is in. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I hope it'll get the people, I mean, it may push some people to do it prematurely, but I'm hoping it'll get the things like the typography module for Drupal 7 is on RC10. This, you know, this module has been out since the beginning right. of Drupal 7, and they've never had a stable release. Like, it's time, people. It's it's stable. It works. Right. Um, as long as we're ranting about releases, let's talk about WYSIWYG. Okay, no, let's not. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. All right, Mark, your picks of the week. All right. And I said so picks I had, because I do want you to mention real quick okay. the one that you so, deleted. So I earlier picked um, uh, Pantheon put out – I was talking earlier about how a nested doc root is important when you're working with a composer-based site. And um, I had found in the documentation GitHub issue queue for Pantheon a while back that they had this new tool that's in development that lets you do that with Pantheon and and now they've officially re- released it and uh, and and said that hey this is an official thing you can do um, so it's like this pantheon.yaml file that you have in your doc root for your 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 root of your repo and then you can say hey there's a web folder and that's the web root and then you can have files outside of that for like your config and vendor folders and stuff like that so um, I think it's pretty cool it's a nice improvement for them. And your second pick of the week? So uh, some of my coworkers worked on this and, and got this out yesterday, and I think it's a pretty it's a pretty pretty great article. Um, you might even say it's huge. Um, it's uh, it's making a web accessibility great again, uh, auditing the U.S. presidential candidates' websites for accessibility. So uh, this is my coworkers. Uh, Helena Zubkow and Mike Herschel, and they did a uh, accessibility audit of the two presidential candidates, two main presidential candidates' websites, and uh, found accessibility issues and good things that were being done with accessibility on both of them. And then they they come, you know, looked at what are the areas for improvement for each of them. So 
I think you're bearing the lead there, um, is Mike Herschel, who is, you know, one of the hosts of the Lullabot podcast. Um, who yeah. I, he's a good friend of mine. He's a, another Florida, Florida, uh, droopler. Um, he's actually running for president as well. Hashtag I'm with her Schull. So <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. Yeah. But, uh, my, my coworker Helena is like, she is awesome about accessibility things and it gets very excited about it. And, yeah. um, and I, I think this is a cool, cool thing. So. Yep. She's another Florida drupaler. We got, he is a Florida. Yeah. yeah. We're full of them down here. We're full of them. So anyway. Okay, cool. So very good, Mark. Um, are you going to the Midwest Drupal summit, Mark? It's kind of in your region. I'll say. Uh, it's over in Michigan. I, I, it's this weekend. So no, yeah, I was um, say you better get on the road. Yeah, it's near near where I went to college. Actually, okay. it's in Ar- in Arbor, and I went to college at Albion College, just down the road from there. Um, and so I thought, oh, that'd be fun. But I was out of town last week for a work retreat. And, you know, let uh, me let's edit this and, and and well, maybe not really edit it, but since the podcast probably won't be out till next week, Mark, did you go to the Midwest Drupal Summit last week? And I did not. Okay, very uh, good. If, if you have a time machine, any of our listeners. Rewind about a week and then go to the Midwest Drupal Summit. I'd week. really like to go to this event in the future, though, like next year, maybe, because yes. it's cool. It's like it's sort of like a Drupal Dev Days for the U.S. It's where it's mostly focused on contribution right. rather than sessions. And uh, it, I haven't managed to go to one of these yet. But I'd really like to. It's supposed to be a good event. All right, cool. Um, DrupalCon Dublin, I mentioned earlier, taking place end of September, September 26th through 30th. Um, I'm lucky enough to be able to attend that one. Um, so Kelly or Mark, any Drupal events uh, in your future or near future that we want to mention? Oh, well, Ned Camp is coming up at the end of October. Let me go find the date. Yes. I thought, was on. I thought we had that on last time. Um, how did it drop off? Uh, in New Hampshire this year, it's moved from Providence uh, to New Hampshire for this year. Oh, are they doing kind of like a Pacific Northwest summit thing where it's going to rotate between different places? Yeah, I think maybe they're going to move it around. Oh, um, cool. I'm keeping an eye on Bad Camp. I'm not sure. I've, I'd like to go. I've never made it to, out to Bad Camp, um, but I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it out there. For that, but that's October twentieth to twenty third. Yes. So, yes, um, it's kind of a big deal. It is kind of a big deal. I will be actually making my first trip to Bad Camp this year as well. Oh, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll I've see. I've actually had quite the quite the Drupal Camp uh, um, summer. I, I I was able to hit Nice Camp, Gov Camp, which was a phenomenal camp. Drupal North, which was earlier in the summer, but you know one of the best um, Drupal events I've been to. And then last weekend, Drupal Camp Asheville, in one of the you know, the prettiest places, you know, I, you know, at least on the east coast of the U.S. with with an absolutely great community. We'll have to get you up for uh, Twin Cities Drupal Camp. Twin next Cities year. is definitely on my short list of camps yeah. I, I need to get to in the, in the near future. The one I'm bummed that I missed this year was uh, Drupal Corn in that just Iowa. Happened. Just happened. Yeah, I've been there the last few years. It didn't work out this year. Um, but they put on an excellent camp. It's really, really great. They put on They're a good so nice show. There. A good show. Yeah, they have cornhole. Most camps don't have cornhole. 
not in, not in the way they do. Was it on Was it on fire? No, it's just like cornhole. Oh, all right. Well, and they're they're nice Iowegians. So, is that really the word Iowegian? I think the I think Iowans is probably the official <laughs> thing. <but laughs> I like Iowegians better. So it is kind of fun to say. That's yeah. a good one. All right, Mark. Where so can I, people Where can people find you online? Let's wrap. They can thing. find me online at Mark Drummond on Twitter, uh, M A R C D R U M M O N D on. I, I'd say on IRC. On Drupal.org, I'm M. Drummond. Um, my web, my personal site where I put some blog posts now and then is Mark Drummond, M A R C D R U M M O N D.com. And uh, then I post articles on Lullabot's website now and then. I need to write something up and post something soon. Um, so. Kelly, where can people find you? I am bright bold on most of the things online. Um, and jumping back for a second, I misspoke. I think I said Ned Camp was at the end of October. It's at the end of September. So nedcamp.org. Oh, so we have to catch that on. Um, we have to catch that on our way home from Dublin, I suppose. <laughs> yes. Okay. Very good. Um, as always, you know, Drupal Easy at Drupal Easy. I'm Ultimike at Ultimike, and then we have some other hosts who aren't here, so we're not going to mention them because I'm tired of talking about those guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they are all teasing. cool people. They're awesome. Actually, Anna will be at um, um, Midwest Drupal, or she was. I'm sorry, she was at Midwest Drupal Summit. She's actually on her way there today, I believe. It's it's like you're unstuck in time, Mike, I, uh, and you're not you're not sure exactly what day it is. It's very fluid. <laughs> it's very time is very fluid right yeah. now. All right, five questions. Oh, well, look at that! Look at that! You've already answered them in the rundown, so this is going to go super fast. Mr. Drummond, name <laughs> something interesting you do outside of Drupal. Pick one, just one. I'm going to say Disney. I like Disney things. My wife and I like Disney. Our daughter likes Disney. We like going to Disney World. Um, I like travel in general. Um, but we, I think we're going down in December for our 10th trip to Disney World. Okay, For well, me, wow. it's something. I think oh, Rita's cool. on my... 12, let me know if you like. need a let me know if you need a babysitter or something. We'll come over. You let the wife and you, you and the wife can can have an evening to yourselves. Mm-hmm. I may take you up on that. Absolutely, we're you know we're not that far. So cool, yeah. <laughs> um, cool, yeah. Okay, very good. So uh, that's a whole other podcast because we could we could go on about that. I think sure. name the last piece of software you installed. Uh, I'm gonna go with Docker for Mac. All right, and so, that kind of goes uh, back to your Docker whole composer discussion. Yeah, well, yeah, Docker is kind of its own little set of fun. Uh, <laughs> Docker for Mac beta, um, getting that working well on a Mac is is fun. See, there you go. That's your new positive. Funny, attitude. capital letters with quotation marks. <laughs> it's I getting maybe better. The, maybe the title of this podcast is going to be Mark's new positive attitude. Uh, <laughs> Mark's PMA. There we go. It's Mark's PMA. Hmm. Let what? that one sit, sit for a minute. Uh, what's a goal that you have not okay. accomplished yet, but that is terrifying? So my uh, college major was actually English. So I was I did a lot more fiction writing and like poetry writing and that sort of thing back in the day. And it's been like a decade since I've done fiction writing things, but. Like my my ambition when I was younger was to be like writing fantasy and science fiction novels and things like that, and I got away from it. Uh, and at some point, I'd like to get back to 
doing some fiction writing and uh you know i've got ideas for novels and things that i'd like to write and uh i'd like to get back to that at some point but i don't know i just uh you need to have a fluid uh um, fluid relationship with time like i do yeah that's exactly it yeah (laughs) i'll get Um, back to it what is the last exotic animal that you've hand fed so I made a point of this. Um, we were at a work retreat last week in Atlanta. So um, I there was there was it was at a farm, and so I wanted to find something exotic to feed there. So like my backup, because just in case it didn't work out, um, was uh, I fed Mike Herschel. So <laughs> I gave him some mashed potatoes off of my plate because I just wanted to like make sure that I had something, no matter what. But then later I found a llama, and I fed a llama, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, probably Llamas stuck are with great. the first one, but okay. I mean, a llama's wild as well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was pretty neat. There was like two llamas, and one of them was like really appreciative for the food that we were giving it. And the other was like, this is my food. Like, I'm just going to take this and like was budging in on like eating the other llamas like when we were trying to feed that and like – um. And and then like, you know, tried to reach out to pet the llama, and it like it was like this is not part of the deal. This is I want the food. <laughs> like you don't get to pet me just because I get food. So it was kind of like an angry llama. Yeah, one the of those llamas sounds a lot like Mark Mike Herschel, as a matter of fact. So it was not actually Mike Herschel, but I I did <laughs> I didn't put the food in his mouth, but I just I really want to make sure I covered my bases. So all right. Fair enough, a llama. What did you feed the llama? Was it some type of like a carrot or something? I don't know. There was like a metal bucket they gave me and it had like, I don't know, corn seeds or something like that. Llama food. All right. It was llama food. Good enough. And tell us about your tipping point Drupal moment. So I think for me it was there was a Drupal camp um, in the, a Twin Cities Drupal camp a few few years ago that I went to and um, – talked with a bunch of Drupal contributors there and and it got me interested enough. I couldn't make it to the sprint day that day, but it got me interested and excited enough that I, I went out and I found the Drupal Ladder website, which gives guidance on how to get started with Drupal contribution. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to use IRC through some of the or some links to some Drupalize Me videos that helped to explain that and just how to get my local development environment set up. And like I started going to core mentoring hours and trying to learn how to contribute to Drupal and write some patches and things like that. And so um, I'd been involved with discussions in issue queues before, but never really submitting patches. And that was kind of the turning point for me when I started to help help contribute back. All right, very good. So what year? I mean, how many how long ago is this? How long have you been involved in the community at that level? At this level? My memory is I I don't know. It was it was either 3 years ago or 4 years ago. Right. Kind your, of Drupal, your drupal.org profile is almost 8 years old. So you had about what, yeah. 4 4 and a half years of semi lurking. Yeah, I mean, I'd gone to some I had gone to a like one or two Twin Cities Drupal camps before that. Mm-hmm. I know I'd gone to at least one. Um, that was 
that was when uh, so I worked before I worked for Lullabot. I worked in local government for about ten years doing web and graphic design things, and and so like I made use of Drupal at my job, and I was using Drupal on some side projects and kind of learning about Drupal. But like that, I, that to me is the point where I was really like, okay, this is. I was excited about Drupal before, but but once I got to the point where I was like contributing back and things, that was yeah, that was that was important. All right, very good. Um, let's wrap this up. Let me real quick mention webenable.com and devpanel.com, where you can build, manage, and deploy your Drupal sites. Uh, if you are interested in hearing more episodes of our podcast, you can always check us out at DrupalEasy.com slash podcast or search for DrupalEasy in iTunes, Google Play, or any of the available podcast aggregators out there. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can always call us in the U.S. at plus one, uh, area code 321-396-2340. If you want to submit a story for potential coverage on our next podcast or just see what kind of stories we're thinking about talking about, you can do that on Reddit and the Drupal Easy Podcast subreddit. Mark, thank you very much for taking the time. Um, I appreciate it. You know, this is something we, we kind of booked you, what, three months ago or something, something like that? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but actually, the timing turned out well, I think, because there's a lot going on in the front-end community right now. And as we there said is. earlier, we could have had you on for you know two or three straight podcasts and had plenty to talk about. So I appreciate spending all the time with us and sharing um, your perspective with us. It's exciting times. There's a lot of cool things that are happening, and uh, and that's that's the thing to focus on is that there's people are excited about using front end things in Drupal eight, and uh, they're trying new things out, and we're gonna find out some ways to make things even better. And that is Mark's new PMA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Kelly, thank you very much for joining us today. Hope your summer's going well up there in uh, the steamy Northeast. Thanks, Mike. I was happy to be here. And we will see everybody on the next Drupal Easy podcast. May the force be with you. <laughs>